Welcome to the Momgasm Podcast. Blending motherhood, self-connection, sensuality, and pleasure. Normalizing what it means to be a mother and a sexual being. Welcome back to another Momgasm episode. We are serving up some hot debauchery with this one. What does two moms in a cottage with no kids, wine, and two microphones sound like? Well, you're about to find out. We, of course, chat about all things pleasure and sex, but also make room for an epic conversation spanning motherhood and fears of relatability, postpartum primal reactions, the phenomenon of feeling nap-trapped, then Lindsay literally spills the wine and it gets even better from there. This episode feels like one giant hot topic with hilarity mixed in. I know we enjoyed recording this, and I hope you enjoy listening. women welcome to uh very dressed up mom tv live yeah <laughs> so essentially what we we're doing is we we set up our party this is wild to have like two different cameras on us and also be recording on something completely separate that i can't even see anyway we set up our party and realized that people were not in the party mood which is fine it's totally fine but we are. We are. We are. So we, we are dressed up right now. We are dressed Cheers. up. I bronzed to the gods. My face is very bronzy. I'm in a silky, velvety, floor-length gown. You're like the hot velveteen rabbit. Oh, yes. Fuck Without yes. the depression and Best sadness. Best compliment ever. Without the sadness associated. Thank you. So essentially, we were like... Hey, we don't get to be together alone a lot. We don't get to be together alone in the sense of not having kids around and being dressed up in sequins and velvet. Yeah. And so we were like, fuck it. Like, let's let's just sit down. Let's record an episode. And instead of just sitting and recording an episode, we were like, let's let's bring this to an online platform as well so that people have the opportunity of engaging the conversation in a different way. Here we go. Right. It's going to be like the most ADHD episode. <laughs> I know. I don't know where to look there. That there ever existed. That ever Mike, existed. I don't know. But like, I just been loving the post about discharge, mom, bob, sex, and everything. You guys are fabulous. And always loving your topics. Yes. yes! Thank you. I'm so stoked. Thank you, Nicole. I, can we actually talk about discharge for a minute? Oh my gosh. So, cool fact. Cool fact if you didn't know. Did you know that your discharge, discharge, oh Jesus, your discharge, your dis, <laughs> your discharge can actually bleach your underwear. Oh my gosh. Yes. I knew that because my underwear has been bleached by my discharge since I was a teenager. And that's what gave me so much shame because I thought that no one else was having it. Yeah. And anytime that I got intimate with someone. I was hiding my underwear. I was purposely like hiding it in my jean pockets or like make sure I'm folding it in such a way that you can't see that yeah. bit. Yeah. Cause yeah. So mine, like it'll bleach like your darker stained underwear, but then your, your white undies, it turns this like yellowy brown. brown. It's not brown. It's like a, it's like a d- dingy yellow. Yeah. But if it's really old 
and you've discharged in it like uh, the days leading up to your period. Oh. Oh, yes. Brown. Shit brown. Yep. Rusty brown. That's where I'm at today, actually. That's what happened today. Period is due tomorrow, and my wonderful brand new soft pink underwear has now graced with the uh, day preceding menstrual discharge situation oh i'm sad i know i'm sad for you i'm sad too i'm sad but now i'm wearing my period underwear that's great what so you (sighs) bought aisle didn't you yes i did which was previously luna yeah so i have luna pads i bought luna pads when i was prepping for my second birth because i really i knew that obviously maybe not obviously but obviously for me postpartum i was like cups not gonna fucking work when i'm discharging postpartum and bleeding for two to four plus weeks Mm, yeah and so i bought my i treated myself to some luna pads and i love that they've gone gender neutral and unisex yes it's amazing the models that they use on their website are gender neutral non-binary um it's incredible so i bought the ones i'm wearing right now are like high-rise panties and they also have like a boxer brief available for people who feel more comfortable on that i saw that they have a boxer love brief, them and it's so cute i'm like i want to sleep in those i mean i i understand the purpose of them if you're non-binary or if you're transitioning for me i i do wear boxer briefs at night like all these old pairs I make them give them to me and I wear them at night. I wear them if like I'm on day four or day five of my mm. bleed. And I'm just like, I don't care. Like, just give me whatever. Just give me something ratty that I can bleed right? on. that doesn't matter. They're so comfortable and they hug your womb in the perfect way. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really that. loving it. I got the underwear. I got three giant reusable pads. Nice. I brought one of them with me. And if anyone's interested in seeing them, let, let us, us know. know. Yeah. Let us know in either on Instagram or on Facebook. Cause yeah, I, there's, there's some really cool companies that are out there. Uh, I originally was interested in investing in a pair of things, but then Mm. there was some information that was released around, um, potential toxins that were found in the absorbent part of their products, specifically Uh. in their teen line, I think it was. And again, don't quote me on this. Uh, just Google it. Yeah. I'm sure you'll find the article that I'm I'm thinking about. Uh, but it kind of like it 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 pivoted my initial desire to purchase mm. from them. And I loved it like within a couple of weeks or months that Luna switched to Isle and included these uh, period. I don't want to say period panties because they're not period panties because they're also boxers, but these wearable period products. Yeah. Yeah. Period underwear. Yeah. Um, the great thing about aisles are Canadian made Canadian company. Um, I ordered all of it during the pandemic and they knew that it was going to be a long time for it to get to me. Hi everybody. Um, so they included two, uh, booster liners to go with my nice. underwear for free and they're regular, like $5 each. So, and I got a cup, the aisle cup as well. And that's my first cup experience. Do you have the cup with you? No, I left it at home. Damn. Because I didn't think I was going to be like properly like heavy bleeding while I was here. So just the pad and the underwear. It would have been nice to be able to like show, show the and cup. Tell. So I'm in the process of investigating a new cup that's on the market called the Nixit. Mm. 
And I believe it's also a Canadian company, but don't quote me on that. Mm. But it's a very revolutionary design as far as menstrual cups are concerned because it's the first menstrual cup that I've personally come across that doesn't have suction involved. So where no suction being involved is really important is for anyone that has a prolapse situation. So whether you have a prolapse prolapse rectum. Prolax. (laughs) Prolaxacet. It's a robaxacet. Whether you have like a prolapsed bladder, uh, rectum, or uterus, it's really important to avoid anything that has a suction component to it because that can actually exacerbate things. And this is the other thing that's really important for anybody that is using a cup or regularly uses a cup. Make sure that you're actually taking the moment to go and like slide your finger up the side of it and like release the suction before you're removing it like buying it so all like my last period the first time using my cup i wasn't doing that Mm. i was just like what you described as like birthing it i was just like gently birthing it out and then once it got there i was twisting it to release the seal and then pulling it out yeah so what's that what that's doing is it's like creating this really intense um pressure caption capture thing with your cervix so right like so birthing it out and then like squeezing it at the bottom and like twisting it to release it is that would you still think that you should put a finger up to actually release the suction so so the difference is if i'm like sliding a finger up and like releasing the suction first i can do that and then go through the same process it's going to birth easier because Uh, you don't have that suction process uh, happening uh, and so you're not having that like internal fight that's happening with like as you're trying to relax your muscles and also slightly bear down as you open and like pull the cup out you're not having that like counter pressure of like the internal container or or continents of the cup being in this like vacuum setting Mm -hmm. so it's like if I think about if I'm doing breath work so I've been doing breath work a lot lately for the last couple of months and if you've ever done breath work and you've done like breathing into your belly and then breathing into your chest, or if you've ever done, um, Uriyata Banda, so like the, the, um, kind of like the solar plexus lock where you like hollow out your belly completely and bring all of, all of the air up into your lungs. It looks wild. I can't do it right now because I've eaten too much. Otherwise I would, but your, you can feel the different so it's like a containment kind of going under your ribs. Yeah. So it's like if I was to ask you to breathe into your belly for a count of three. So breathe into your belly for a count of three, two, one. And now breathe into your chest for a count of three, two, one, but relax your belly. And you should feel that in breathing into your chest, it sucks the air that was in your belly up into your chest cavity. Oh, man, that's weird. Do you feel the shift of pressure, that's though? That's weird, yeah. That goes from that, here. I feel like that takes some, like, training and, like, actual, like, really, like, focusing on doing that. That's not intuitive. It does, but it gives you a very real understanding of air pressure and vacuum cavities mm. in the sense of, like, if I have put something into my body and you have to think about, like, when you're putting it in, you you also have the volume of air that is within that. Mm. So even when it pops open, whatever air is in your vaginal cavity or in that cup 
is going to stay and remain there. Mm. So if I'm not breaking the seal, what I'm doing is I have all of that blood and all of that air as volume in the cup. Mm. And then I'm trying to pull it downwards while it has this suction and it can't like compensate or change things until I've released the suction and welcomed in more air. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So release your cups, folks. That is the, the message of the, the day. Cup. Release the cup. Release the Kraken cup. Release, release <laughs> the Kraken. Uh, yeah. It's great. Let's talk about sex. I love talking about sex. I so, do too. We were just talking about my latest uh, foray into the... I'm picking a wedgie. You're welcome, friends. The latest foray into stuffing my butt and my puss. Oh, yes. The old stuff in the butt and puss. Aye. The old stuff in the front and back. Aye. Aye, lassie. Oh, are we going to bring the bog nymph into this? <laughs> Not yet. Yeah, okay. Not yet. <laughs> I haven't gotten to that point yet. I just inhaled wine. Oh, not a good thing. Not a good thing. There's wine in my sinuses. <laughs> Fuck salt water. A little bit of wine to clear out your sinuses. Don't That's fucking fun. salt water. I don't recommend that. I've not done it, but I I've feel like it would it. just be a not... A, I don't not... think I've ever tried to fuck in any body of water. Really? Pool. Uh, well, uh, uh, shower. Yeah. Bath. <gasps> yes. Ollie you and lied. I have tried. Ollie and I have tried. Was not successful. Did you l- use lube? No. We were young and dumb and lubeless. <laughs> I'm sad for you. Young and dumb and lubeless. That's the name of a porn somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) And if it's not, we can make that. We can make that. Oh, shit. Young and dumb and lubeless. I think I actually love that you just said that. (laughs) Who else was... But, like, how, how many people that are listening to this or watching this, like, can relate to that idea of just being young and dumb and lubeless or just the, like... And I know we've talked about this on the show before, but yeah. the idea of like, oh, only old people need lube or only somebody who's broken needs lube. Oh, absolutely. Or only use lube if it's up your asshole. Yeah. That was the only time I used lube was the first time that I had anal. And oh, actually, no, we didn't use lube. Oh. No wonder you're not for that. Yeah. Some bad, some bad memories there. I need to rewrite. Yeah. Oh. But then subsequent times... We did, but like the first time really ruined it for me. I, it was like, I don't uh, want to go back to that. What do I, have I ever explained like what I felt in my body the first time I had anal sex? I don't think so. Oh my God. What did you feel in your body? Oh my God. So we also did not use lube. <laughs> we, it was one of those things like at the time I had done it because I was of the mindset that like I owed my partner something sexually Mm. same partner same same Mm. person that i'm still with and it was never that he like put the pressure on me in any any sense but it was like the conversations the porn the the just idea of like i i it is my responsibility to offer you something that's that's different and exciting and so i don't even remember I think it was kind of like the idea when we were doing it of this, like, I'm going to slip you 
the moment. Mm. I'm going to slip you the moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean yeah, by yeah. saying that? Like, yeah. I'm not like, surprise! No, no, no. Because that will never work. No, you're like in the middle of it and you're like, hey, do you want to try anal? Exactly. Like, hey, can I put it up your butt? Yeah. Please. Right? So we, so we were, we were living in this house with nine other people. It was a nightmare. Sounds like my Katinovic days. It was a nightmare. I just, I want to start with that. It was a nightmare. Don't ever do yeah, that. Yeah, that's a lot of people. Don't ever, don't. If my children are listening to this, it is a terrible idea. Don't do it. In some circumstances. In my circumstance, a team of it was not a terrible thing. I feel like that's so different though. Oh, absolutely. Because there's rules. Like, the, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no. This is just like nine. Just a bunch of Different, young, young dumb. Lubeless. Lubeless <laughs> individuals. This is going to be the name of this episode. Young, dumb, and lubeless. <laughs> yes. Sarah's very excited about the uh, name. Love it. I love when we decide on a name in the middle of an episode. What did I walk in on? I'm into it. I'm so glad that you're into it. Yes. So essentially, uh, if you're just walking into this, then you have the freedom to ask us anything that you would like, and we will discuss it. But right now, we're talking about young, dumb, and lubeless, and the first time I had anal sex. So Was it lubeless? It, I think so. Yeah. I feel I like for a lot so. of us, it is. I think he just like rubbed his dick on my on my <sighs> front portion first yeah. i'm trying to also realize that like facebook will shut us down <laughs> at some point yeah well throwing around casual words like anal and <laughs> vagina but i like i was drunk i was pretty drunk and we were in this room with our two cats and our dog and i remember it so intensely where the entire time I was like, I just want this to end. It feels like I'm having diarrhea that I have no control of and will not stop. And it's just like this burning hot mess in my butthole. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Yet, I still was like, I'll wait until you're done. Oh, no. No, I I couldn't wait the first time. It, It felt very similar for me and it was painful. And then afterwards... Like I had to tell him to stop, and afterwards I was like, "Yeah, I think that we need lube." Just gonna put it out there. So much, much lube. <laughs> so much lube. So if you didn't already know, because there's a lot of folks that don't actually realize this. No. So the pussy is really fascinating, where the pussy will create its own secretions to help aid in lubrication. Mm-hmm. That does not mean that you will not also benefit from lubrication that is additional. So I personally love using lube. It's become one of my favorite things. Same. Um, I just find it it just enhances things for me in a way where like I don't have to worry about like any of that awkward like oh we caught a little bit there yeah right right? and it just makes it like so much more slippery and fluid and delicious that I don't have to I don't have to worry about it what's your favorite lube (gasps) oh I have a few so right now my top one is from Sutil Mm-hmm. which was recommended by Venus Envy. So if you're in Halifax and you can get lube from Venus Envy, I highly recommend it. They're also like <gasps> Juanita, the hi Juanita. most educated 
group of humans working at a sex and health shop that I've ever seen in my life. Mm, yes, so we agreed. actually had them come and do our first ever live show, which was really delightful. So we had Rochelle, Rochelle mm-hmm. come and, and she mentioned Sutil at that yeah. event. Yeah. And so I tried it. The next time I went into Venus Envy, I was looking around. I was using, we were using fuck water for a while because fuck is oh, my yes, favorite word. Oh, yes. I remember you loving fuck water. I do still really like fuck water. Mm. We still have some left. But Sutil has like, I think it's called like horny goat weed in it. Huh. It's really interesting. So their gray bottle one is specifically recommended for <laughs> anal play. I'm just sorry. Like who happens upon this herb that is horny goat weed <laughs> and names it horny goat weed? Like, is there, are they feeding it to their goats and they're realizing how horny it makes them feel? And then they're like, oh shit, this is some horny goat weed right now. <laughs> I hope so. Fuck. I hope. I really, really hope so. I mean, if I did not have my hand on a mic and my hand on a wine glass and like had the capability of, of Googling that shit, if we were at my home, okay. I would ask Google. Oh, you're going to do it? Great. I'm Please get back to me. I'm wondering if like eating, consuming horny goat weed yourself is somehow toxic. I don't think it's toxic. I think it like helps. Okay, Google. Can I consume horny goat weed? And you're like, sorry, Sarah, I don't understand what you're saying. Google, can I consume horny goat weed, please? Please, please, <laughs> can I do it? I don't think it's going to compute. No. I think they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's entirely possible. But anyway, so there's, there, I know of two of the Sutils that they have. They have the white bottle and they have the gray bottle. The gray bottle is specifically recommended for anal play. And it's really great because it like, for me, I find what it does is not only does it give me like really good lubrication, but it draws blood flow to the area, which uh, helps like relax and open things, which yes. is really great. So I really love that. And then their other type that they have, which I have not tried yet, is one that's like specifically pH balanced for the pussy. Uh, which is really great. So if you're somebody that is prone to yeast infections or bacterial vaginosis, 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 bacterial vaginosis, vaginosis. <laughs> I did it again. Vaginosis. God damn it. BV. There we go. BV. If you have a history of BV <laughs> and that's like a thing for you. Great. It's a thing for a lot of people. There's nothing wrong with you. Start with that. But having something that is specifically pH balanced is really helpful. Absolutely. Um, I'm not, what about you? What's your favorite lube? Very, very simple. Coconut oil. I find it does not linger enough for me. I, I don't need a lot of it. I think like if Ollie and I are starting to be intimate and there's not a lot of pre warm up, coconut oil will help with that. But if there's a lot of pre warm up, I don't need to, to use it unless we're going for a long period of time, but I mainly like to incorporate it into massage. Oh God. Yes. So like just massaging my whole body and like getting that warmed up and then working your way down. It's fantastic. And it also tastes delicious. Yeah. Yeah. I very simple. I mean, I've used Sutil. I've used fuck water. I've used, I've used some other different stuff. Like I got a bunch of samples from Venus Envy. And I really like Sutil. We had like three good samples Sutil's of it. It's like, it feels like you're putting something luxurious on you. Yeah, it really, really does. It's really nice. And I think it's like $20 yeah. for between, I feel like it's between 18 and 20 bucks for um, 
like a bottle, but that shit will last you quite a long time. Yeah. I mean, I've got a, like a giant tub of coconut oil. Like that, I'm going to have that forever. You have a Costco tub of coconut oil, don't you? No, we don't go to Costco. <gasps> Fuck Costco, man. But they have the best pesto. Fuck it. Just fuck it. I literally send people to Costco just to get me that pesto. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. I don't like how Costco makes you have a fucking membership, okay? If you want me to shop there, just let me shop there. Why do I have to sub- like do a membership thing and buy all your groceries and supply money that way and buy your giant hot dogs? Just like, I'm going to buy stuff. Just let me in. I have a really simple explanation for you. Capitalism. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm not going there. Stupid. That's fair. That's fair. I also am, we've we've kind of, which I talked about in a different episode entirely, but we've made a point of shifting almost primarily to CSAs and local as much as possible and like moving to um, farmer's markets, whatever we can. I just want my own garden. Like that's where I'm at. I, I am working on houseplants first. Yeah. I'm working on like trying to keep some houseplants alive. Yeah. And then if I can successfully keep an ivy plant, an aloe plant, and a pothos alive. Yeah. Then I will branch out into herbs. And then I will branch out into more things. That's kind of the way that I'm I'm thinking about it. But there is something like really sustainably sexy about being able to grow your own food. Oh my gosh. If Jeff had a garden, I would fuck him in his garden. (laughs) I hope you heard this, babe. Jeff's garden, everybody. But do you know what Welcome. I mean? I don't know if it's just you or just you. Oh, no, I'm no. not projecting my fantasy on you. <laughs> but if it's just me, this I this everybody like, else, tune in. This Let idea of like the abundance of a farmer, like this idea of like I can provide. I think it goes back to that same idea of like the primal hunter gatherer. vibe of like if you can grow me some shit and get a sick ass farmer's tan and then come in and fuck me and give me your carrots i'm here for it i think there's something really sexy about anyone who goes out in the garden and gets dirty i love all this anal lube costco gardening (laughs) you're our people welcome (laughs) you are our people i love it's so funny like sometimes i listen back to our episodes and i'm like this confirms that I do, in fact, have ADD. <laughs> <laughs> if I ever doubted it, it, no, I no longer doubt that. And I'm just along for the ride. <laughs> like, I'm just like, yeah, okay. Costco, gardening, anal, lube. I'm here. I'm here for it. You can tag along on this. But yeah, Sutil is my number one for anal lube. Um, <laughs> We're going back to the lube. <laughs> I, I am circling back. But it's, it's really, so my, my, what I want to say is if anyone is like listening to this and had a similar experience feeling wise to like what I did in the first time that I ever experienced anal and for a really long time, I like clung to that and I was like, never in my life will I ever allow something in my butt. Yeah. That is not shit. Yeah. I think my butt's still scared in a lot of ways. There's a very real scaredness. Clearly it's an East Coast thing. <laughs> That's quite possible. Quite possible. Feel um, free. If you want to drop some uh, co- some Costco pesto off at my door, that's always welcomed. I'll take anything, really, you know, at this point. Just if you want to drop a off dick up your butt. Uh, no, I wouldn't say no to it. I just, my butt's a bit scared. That's fair. My butt just needs a good, like, date. 
you know, just like wine and dine my butt. You need to kiss the crinkles. And I don't know. Even that's like, woo, woo. I'll take like a thumb, like a light massaging. That's less intense than kissing. Dude. Kissing is less intense than a thumb. Sorry. That's what I was trying to say. No, a thumb is less intense than kissing. Because by the way, I'm looking at it. Not, yeah. No, no, no. I know. I know. But I'm thinking about your literal, your face, your, your, your face hole on my butthole. But face holes are soft. <laughs> You're welcome <laughs> to the people that own this Airbnb who are getting their laundry. Momgasm. Come get it. But um, they got kids. They do. <laughs> welcome. Let's do an interview. <laughs> what if that's our thing when we go to airbnbs which be like we'll pay you by doing an interview with that you that would be amazing or can you just like discount us 15 percent by well, doing that's an interview? like no that's like remember when we were gonna set up side door yes, and we did we and, did and okay so now that covid is not over it's not over it's very real for yeah, so many places good job for for pulling up on that one <laughs> now that oh wait no it's not over <laughs> now that the atlantic provinces are getting opened up again we have been talking about like the revival of the plans of doing a tour of some kind yeah so initially what we were thinking about doing is using side door which side door is a really cool platform that you can use where you can sell tickets online, but more importantly, you can connect with people who really love and respect what you offer as, as a talent and a gift yeah. and have them host you and come into their space and do a show. So if you are within the Atlantic provinces and would really love to have like momgasm come to your town and have the opportunity of not only like doing a show with us, but maybe even like after the show sitting down and having an episode with us yeah where you like host us in our house and essentially we have like a mini sleepover with you yeah please let us know because that's something that that we would love to to hook up like that's so wild to have that option to be able to do that to go to someone's house or like if there's like a venue in town that's like this really small venue that like all the local people go to Mm. and like we can rent that out or like they can invite us into it and host us there like that's such a cool thing yeah i really i really love it and especially like with our values and intention being so deeply entwined with community and like being able to create safe spaces for people to talk about these things like taking it up the butt and what to do and what not to do and what that felt like and and trauma and and relationships and understanding your sexuality and embodiment after becoming a mother right and like fucking diet culture up the asshole it's like i feel like i was like it's not a person (laughs) it's not real but also this is not an image that i want to put into the world (laughs) so i'm like questioning what i'm saying while i'm saying it because that's what i do now i honestly feel like the conversations that we have we've talked about this from the beginning are conversations that so many new parents and people who are 20 something or 30 something or 40 something and who are becoming more interested in their sexuality we're all we feel like we want to have these conversations but we don't know where to start and we don't know yeah. who to start with and i feel like there's something really interesting that happens and i i would be really 
curious to hear from our audience. So like if this resonates with you, if you have an answer for this and you're not actively watching this live right now and can't actively respond in the moment, um, send us an email at momgasm podcast or DM us or DM us at momgasm podcast. So momgasm podcast at gmail.com. If you want to send us an email anytime, like we actually love hearing from you. Absolutely. We love reply to everybody may take a while, but we will get to you. (laughs) Child willing, (laughs) children willing. Always. I always put that in quotations. Like anytime I'm working with like a company or a person or a photographer or whatever it is, I'm always like, I'll get back to you. Children willing. Uh." Remember that one conference call that you and I did and my children were in the background. My God. Screaming. And I didn't even realize there was a mute button. And then I realized like probably in the last like 20 minutes of the conversation, there was a mute button. And I was like, for the love of God. I do. I do remember For that. the love of God. It was intense. Like I want every mom and dad out there to know there is a mute button on your phone. And if you are on the phone and your child is being a demon, hit that mute button and fucking ream that kid out. <laughs> Momgasm does not support reaming your children. <laughs> In my house, I will fucking ream them out. I feel like your definition of reaming discipline is very different than what the word potentially means as a if, Oxford Dictionary definition. If my internet was working, it's not going to work because we are literally streaming on two devices and we have my computer going. It's not going to work. But yeah, I, I like... I really, I, I don't know about you, but for me, when I like wandered into the world of motherhood, I felt like my circle of people that A, I could access was smaller. More wine? Yes, please. And B, that I could relate to got really small. Yeah. So it's like the ability to R- access people. When you became people. a new mom for the first time. Yeah. So it's yeah. like my ability to access people felt really small. And then my ability to relate to the people that I could access felt really disjointed in a lot of ways. Absolutely. I remember before I gave birth to Henry, um, who was my first for people who are listening. And this is Sarah talking. We always forget to do that. Hi, I'm Lindsay. <laughs> We're like 39 minutes in. Anyway. Um, for the people listening for the first time, um, when I was pregnant with my first son, Henry, I remember even writing in my journal that I felt like I was, I was almost like saying to myself that I was still relevant, even though I was becoming a mom, I felt like I wasn't going to relate to my friends anymore, or they weren't going to relate to me anymore. And like, I was trying to like, I was feeling really lonely in that. And like, no one was able to really, like all of my friends were pretty much single or with someone and not having kids. And so it just felt very, I felt very lonely. And I was like, how am I still gonna relate to all of these people in my life when I become a mother? I'm like, when I become a mom, Sarah's not gonna change. Like my personality is not gonna change, but there's you know i have the responsibilities of mom life i have the responsibilities of this beautiful child now and so there was a lot of like having to come to terms with that with myself because i think with myself i was also thinking that when i became a mom i would lose some sense of sarah Mm. and that i would lose some sense of relevance which i feel like we do temporarily i think so when especially in the first few months like i feel like 
I don't know if this is true for you, but for both of my kids, like the first few months, especially like the breastfeeding, you know, the cluster feeding, I felt like I not disappeared from the world, but like really had to check out for a bit to like get my, my head wrapped around this new being that was now within my presence, this new routine that I was developing. And like, how, how, how could I, how could I adapt to that? And so there's like a, there's a transitionary period where you kind of have to check out. Well, okay. This is, this is what's interesting. Cause we were actually talking about this like a couple hours ago where I was talking about one of the things that I would love to talk about on the show. And maybe this is the time that it happens. But one of the things that I would really love to talk about in the show is the rite of passage of transition and like the, how we as a culture potentially as white women have never had it, yeah. but we as a culture of a, as a whole in the land that we live on. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah have lost the traditions of recognizing the rite of passage in the transition period. I don't think white women in the Western world have ever had a rite of passage. No, and that's why I'm speaking specifically to the land that we're on, that we we live on. Unless what you, like I, I, I said earlier, unless you talk about baby showers or like wedding showers, like those tea parties. Which I'm like, no. But I mean, back then, I don't know. No. Like maybe back in like the 1800s or the 1900s, women definitely had a society because women were, there was a lot of patriarchy was still alive and very, very. Bitch still is. Right? Um, but women, they, they had like these societies, these, w- these women's societies that they would go to these clubs or they had these tea parties. I don't think they would talk about having anal sex. Maybe the cool ones did. They missed out. Our ancestors probably did. I'm going to say no. If there's an ancestor who's like a re- like I'm a reincarnation of, then I know that she was talking about butt stuff. How, How could you say that though? Because, man, everyone's sexual. Just because they're like a yeah, super okay society no, 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 doesn't no, no, mean they're not no, no, thinking no, about no, fucking no, up no, the butt. No. Thinking about it and talking about it are two very different things. Oh, but they definitely had that one girlfriend or guy or person who they were like, yo. They didn't say yo. They were like, hey. I. Hey, friend. Did you know that you can take the dick and put it up that spot that you poop out of? I promise you that uh, my recent ancestors definitely did not. I don't know. I bet you definitely had one ancestor who was like, oh boy, taking up the butt tonight. (laughs) And then I'm going to go pull some weeds and milk the cow. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, I feel like we've transition did some potentially right problematic anyway. i'm so what you're saying is yes we should bring back rights of passage but so what i'm saying say, is that but i think there was different so hold on i'm getting into what you're saying i'm gonna segue there <laughs> as you do your hand gestures this feels good hand gestures hand like gestures jazz hands so what I was going to say specifically so in a lot of Asian culture specifically and also in some um, Mexican culture there is a and Mayan culture in general there is a conversation around the first 40 days 
So it's it's this recognition around the transitionary period between going through the phase of birthing and then moving into your role of like active mothering. Mm. So it's this mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. really tender space in the first 40 days where you're not only transitioning into being a mother, but you're also actively healing your body. And it's like, if you go, um, if you connect to those belief systems and those traditions, then it's recommended that women for the most part stay completely horizontal. Horizontal is when you're laying down. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Horizontal, completely horizontal for 40 days while. Fuck. I could not do that. Oh, just wait. But so many people say that, but it's like, why not? No, but that's not the question for me. It's just like, I could not do that. That's a great idea to do. But like lying down horizontal, I would just be like, fuck, I am bored. But it's like, okay, so you have to think about it this way. Okay. You're lying down in your bed. Your baby is beside you at all times. You're snuggling them. You're looking at them. You're taking them in. You're letting yourself heal. You're bleeding. Like you're changing your pad, whatever it is. And then you're having people like bring you nourishing food. Maybe you're reading a book. Maybe you're writing about your experience. Maybe you're doing a painting while you're lying down. Maybe like you're doing these things that are really tactile and nourishing in the sense of like giving you life for the transition period that you're experiencing. I think that's a wonderful idea. I think for me and maybe other women, I would love to commit to doing that for the first like week, two weeks. Because I just for me, I know that I'd be like, I want to go for a drive. I want to go outside. I want to go for a walk. I want to do this and that. Mm -hmm. And I want to go to the beach and like, all these other things depending on the time of the year there's definitely like shifting that can happen within that so it's like i think there's one i don't remember which book it is or which um culture it is off the top of my head which i apologize for but there is one of the recommendations within the first 40 days where it's like first week you spend in bed second week you spend in your home or like your bed to the the next room over the third week you go into like your backyard or your front porch and then the fourth week you're out to like within your community in a way that feels really nourishing to you where you're not having to like go and do the things so it's like you're you're gradually giving yourself the time to stretch that circle of like what you're comfortable with while also honoring your body in the healing process I, I think that's a wonderful idea. And I think that thinking about like back into like, say, the 1950s, and this is only because I used to love to watch a show called The Midwife, which is made on the BBC. I also watched that. Right? And for a lot. I didn't finish it, but I watched I a lot of it. I love that show. And there was such a culture around what? I, I loved a lot of it, but there was also a lot of like, ah, uh, very triggering, uncomfortable things in oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Within like the birthing world. Yeah, I, I can see that. The one thing that I did find so beautiful about and that I wish that I had been in that sort of community was that these midwives and the women in that community, they would build this camaraderie yeah, with yeah, each yeah, other. Yeah. They would all go to the same um, 
clinic together, you know, weekly or monthly or whatever it was. They would see each other, get that chance to talk, and their kids would be able to play. The midwives knew all of them, knew all of their children, mm. and it was such a wonderful dynamic. I mean, I know that's probably a smaller community, um, you know, that kind of dynamic, but... I know that I certainly did not have that. There was mm-hmm. no ushering in. There was no other group. I didn't go to any kind of groups or anything like that. There was definitely some available, but I didn't go out and actually research it. And I remember my mother-in-law, her telling me that when she gave birth to my husband and his brother, that she had a group of women who she would go and hang out with. And like their kids grew up together. So this is the, this is a really interesting thing for me and where I'm like, I'm really grateful where I do it's a little different. Like I do have a, that community of women that are just as hard of birth, birth junkies as I am yeah. and are the women that essentially passed on the knowledge for having birth autonomy and birthing in your power and what that looked like and what that could feel like for you. And these are the women that took care of me. So one of the things that I did, which again, I don't think I've talked about this on the show, but it comes back into that conversation of like rite of passage and ceremony and taking those first 30 to 40 nourishing days is they organized a meal train for me in the two pregnancies and birth that I had, where for 30 days, people within my community would sign up and they would come to my house. Mm. They would drop off a meal they would look at my my list of chores that needed to be done or look at my laundry basket yeah. or look at my dishes yeah. and they would they would put down the food they would let me know what there is they would ask me if i was hungry or if i wanted anything they wouldn't ask to hold the baby they wouldn't ask to like do anything mm-hmm. within my space i would just kind of check in and be like hi i'm here yeah i love you yeah. if you want to talk i'll come sit with you and talk to you awesome. but outside of that like i'm i'm here to clean your dishes i'm here to put on a load of laundry for you i'm gonna fold your laundry while i'm here i'm gonna sweep the floor and then i'm gonna leave and i'm gonna give you your space that's amazing and for 30 days i had this happening in my first and then for my second i it was like three weeks where i had people coming over and i had people coming over and giving me love and like giving me nourishment and providing me the things that i needed and i mean it was definitely different in my second because of the Mm -hmm. the trauma that that unfolded but it's one of those things where it's like I firmly believe that every birthing person should have this community support and this community care and this is one Mm -hmm. of the things like a lot of the times and I've seen this meme kind of floating around where it's like when somebody's talking to you about all of the ways that they need community care you just yell self-care back at them it's not helpful and that's one of the things that I feel like as a whole that we're seriously lacking and something that I feel like we have the potential of building within momgasm this idea of like being able to hold each other up and have these conversations and like present these rite of passage ceremonies for one another for any of us that are living within similar communities or close enough that it's like an hour drive away that we can provide these opportunities of, of marking and honoring and like revering those big life transitions. Mm-hmm. Or just seeing you and where you are currently in your life. Maybe it's not a big life transition, but just recognizing 
that where you are in your life is valid. It has mm-hmm. worth. You're, you're, you are inherently worthy no matter where you are in your life. Mm-hmm. And I think that not many of us feel that, especially in our mothering journey. I think we depend on... I know I'm, I'm not going to speak for the masses. I'm going to speak for myself. Mm-hmm. When I became a new mom, I really wanted to know if I was doing a good job. Like I really wanted to know if... I really wanted my mother or some other senior like woman who has mothered before me to tell me that I was doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Like there, I really needed that validation. Who hasn't had that though? Right. But how often do we get that? And I know like we can provide that for ourselves in a way, like we can build self-confidence and self-trust and in that way. But I remember when we first uh, started doing momgasm <laughs> you were gonna say when we first met no. and i was like that's a lie no. um when we first started doing momgasm you had said to me that you you rely on outward validation oh sometimes. for sure and when you said that to me i was like that feels almost um radical to say like as a as a full-grown woman to say you know what sometimes i do rely on outward validation because I think that for all, for a lot of women, it's like, I don't need to give that to you. You can do that for yourself. But it's like, no, sometimes I actually need it. Oh, sometimes no. I need someone to say to me that I'm doing a good job as a mom. The amount of people. So this is one of the other things that I say. And I'm really like, if anybody's listening to this and who is pregnant or is like getting ready to birth their child, there's one thing that I want to make a abundantly clear mm-hmm. and I've t- I know I've talked about this on the show before but I don't think everyone's heard it if you don't feel like sharing your baby don't share your fucking baby yeah like there is a there's a very real chemical connection like a biological chemical connection that you form with your child yep. where in the first three plus months if they're taken away from you, if they're like not actively on your chest, you will go through essentially a literal panic attack until they are put back on your chest. And they've done studies where they have like related this closely to the same addiction of like Coke. Wow. Like the same kind of mechanism of withdrawal that you would have in your body if you were a regular Coke user and did not have your bump. It's the same physical reaction if somebody takes your baby from you. I remember, do you remember me telling you about a dream that I had about someone taking, okay, if you're not already recognizing this, I remember the reason I'm bringing this up is because that, that, that reaction was very inherent when I had this dream. I dreamt that Oliver had left me and this was when I had just given birth to Henry that he had left me and the woman that he was now with took my baby and started breastfeeding him in front of me. I j- I'm about to cry. Like I'm, jo- I'm not like that. I don't even have words. That dream still really fucks me up, man. When I think about it, I want to throw up. That is <gasps> the feeling that I have in my body is wanting to vomit. I like, I'm ha- like, I have chills all over my body, which is interesting because I actually <gasps> had, I actually had both of my children nursed by different women. But, but that's your choosing. Right? It's different. It, that dream was a, a woman took my baby and breastfed him in front of me. I would rip her fucking throat out. And that's what happened in the dream. <laughs> and when I woke up, I told Ollie what happened. He was like, holy shit, babe. That's awful. And I, I, w- 
Henry was sleeping with us, co-sleeping with us at that time. And I woke up and I was just like, oh my God, give me my baby. Give me my baby. No one's taking my baby. Like there was a real animalistic it's a, reaction. It's, it's primal. Like I can feel that reaction now. So what's interesting though is like we are biologically programmed to have this addiction essentially to our babies. Yeah. But then societally we're put in a position where people come over yeah. and they, they, you play past the baby. I, oh yeah. I never, ne- I did it once, once when my mother-in-law came to the hospital and she took her and she picked her up and then she went and walked around the entire room to show everyone. And I was like, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. Or I'm going to punch her fucking face out. I, I, give give me my baby give me my fucking baby give me my baby what are you doing what are you and it's like if you've ever been to the iwk in the in like the birth unit hospital rooms they're tiny they're not they're not very big and like i don't give a shit from me in the bed to the doorway yeah felt like two football fields away oh yeah and i i remember i was like i hate this woman you're a fucking asshole give me my baby and get the fuck out of my room. Like that was like the primal encoded messaging that was up in my shit. But on the other side, I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. everything's fine. It's great. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is my yeah. job as a, as a like, daughter-in-law. Is what right? I do. Just to let them see it. And like, I don't think we've ever, I don't think I ever had people over, like we passed Henry or Roland around, but there was definitely times when like someone came over, like either my mother-in-law or my mom or my dad or my dad, my father-in-law, my dad-in-law, that's a weird thing to say, and wanted to hold Henry or Roland. And there was this, re- I remember many times feeling like I wanted to say no, and I didn't. This is my main messaging. If you have the feeling like you want to say no, say no yeah say no and say it in a way that you feel so confident in the no that you're saying so what i started to do i told i was like after that first week i changed everything and i was like this isn't working for me this is not okay first week with alexis your first yeah okay i was like this is not okay i'm i something physically feels very wrong when she is not with me and I need to honor that because it was to the point where I was like, I felt physically ill. Yeah. Like there's an anxiety there. Physically ill. And anxiety can make you feel nauseous. I felt nauseous. I felt shaky. I felt confused. Yeah. And it was like this weird, like everything in my body and my being was like, I need her in my arms. I need her in my arms. I need her in my arms. I don't fucking care. I need her. 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 And it was like everyone And this is the thing that I want to make really clear in this is like the individuals that are coming into your space are doing so in the idea of like they want to give you a break and they're so excited to see this new person. Yes, absolutely. And I don't want to discount that, but just because they are excited to see this new baby does not mean you need to relinquish your very deep need to hold on to your baby. Yeah, absolutely. So with, we actually got flack from this from some of the people in his family, but with Alexis after the first like week or two, I was like, this isn't working for me. I need to change this and I need to honor like Mm -hmm. what I'm feeling and I'm going to keep her on my chest. And that's just the way it's going to be. And it felt very different when Jeff would hold her. Like it was this really, he was the only person that when he would hold her, I was like, cool. 
Same. Same with me like, and Ollie. There, there was no anxiety whatsoever. It was like, Ollie's an extension of me. Exactly yeah, that. Right? Exactly that. I would get a little nervous if he like walked really far away. Mm. I'd be like, can you just come back here, please? I wouldn't. Because I mean, like, well, our apartment was so tiny at that time when we had Henry and Roe that like if Ollie walked down the hallway to get him to go to sleep, I was like, thank you. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. Right? <laughs> See, I didn't, we, our apartment was pretty small, but I found like if he, if he turned the corner, went into the kitchen mm. and I like, it was harder for me to hear, mm. then I'd be like, no, come back. Man, I'm like, I'm just, sorry. I'm having like this moment of remembering what it was like to be a new mom. And like that, that your whole, your home, home, your whole brain physiology, like the, the, the way the synapses connect and everything, it changes completely. Have you seen the Netflix episode about this? No. So there's actually, this is what's really cool. So I didn't watch the whole thing, but they have a whole Netflix episode called like baby or something. God damn it. Something along those lines where it's like about babies and it's specifically the science around what happens chemically to a new parent's brain. And they were testing the difference, at least as far as I watched, they were testing the difference between like what happens to a mom brain between what happens to a parent uh, dad's brain and how much it changes, which I recognize that that is very heteronormative. Yep. Very heteronormative. In its explanation, which is not helpful. Yeah. But I think it what what is really interesting is the more that I watched is it was actually not involved with what happens to a mother's brain, which versus what happens to a parent uh, dad's brain. But it was what happens to the primary caregiver's brain. And if you so if they used examples of like if the mom passed away or if the mom left and the dad became the primary caregiver, would they have the same brain changes? And they did. So whoever is the primary caregiver will have something that happens. And I think it's in the amygdala that it changes, but I can, I could be, again, I could be wrong here, but it's something that primarily changes that causes you to be in a alert reaction to your baby and to your child. Oh Yeah. And I was like, that is the coolest shit that I've ever seen. Because one of the things that I always found really interesting is initially when I had Alexis and when I had Fallon, the first about three to six months, I would wake up immediately as soon as they made a peep. But at the six month mark, when Jeff would start taking on more of the role of dadding in the sense of like walking them up and down the hall in the ergo. Yeah. I would stop waking up. No, I still like, woke up. No, I stopped waking up. And I think it's because my brain shifted in the place of I don't have to be the primary caregiver anymore. Well, see, I didn't have that, so I can't say that. Yeah. Ollie didn't do that. I mean, well, I'm very... Jeez, Ollie. No, no but it's because the boys slept all through the night. Oh, right. You have unicorn babies. I have unicorn babies. I don't have that. Rolly was more of a unicorn baby than Henry. Henry did wake up through the night. Your chair for is while. so squeaky. I know. Squeaky. It's awful. Oh, no, now it's not going to do. But I was the same way. Like if, if Henry rolled an inch or made any kind of noise or oh, anything. Oh, if he, if she sighed. Away. Yeah. If she sighed, away. I was like. <laughs> but are you, are you still that way? Because I am. 
oh man, something can make the slightest noise in the house and I'm awake. Like the boys can immediately, like if they wake up, I'm and like within seconds, I'm awake and they're super quiet. See, this is what's really interesting. And for a long time I was that way, but by nature, I'm a very heavy sleeper. And I so my too. kids are the only things that can wake me. And what's interesting is for the first six months, when I was like primary caregiver, breastfeeder extraordinaire, that was my sole job in life for about yeah. six months there. Yeah. I woke up every time. Yeah. They would breathe funny and I would wake up every single time. Yeah. Yeah. I still wake up too. Yeah. But now I have recognized that Jeffrey is capable. Mm. And in his capability and in knowing that he requires less sleep than I do as a human being. Mm. I don't wake up anymore. Mm-hmm. He will like, I will wake up in the morning at like seven thirty or eight o'clock and look at him and be like, Oh my God, I slept so great. We like, that's so awesome. We had a great night. And he's like, what are you fucking talking about? I've been up that's from, like, Ollie, I've been up from two to four. You fucking idiot. What like, is wrong with you? You're Ollie and I'm Jeff. I mean, like my kids don't wake up that often, but when they do, I'm like, Oh my God, Henry woke up in a nightmare. And I went in and sang him songs. It was this big thing. And he's like, well, what? What happened? No, we value sleep too much for that. Shenanigans. <laughs> for that nonsense. <gasps> but it's it's so funny to me because I love the the really interesting thing that happens when you connect to that like how like intensely your brain and entire being will change in having a baby. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the yeah, the getting back to this when we're talking about becoming a new mother, I'm having flashbacks to to that physiological change and how how different my lens was at that time of like looking at life and looking at all the things that could harm my baby. <gasps> looking at all the things that could derail the routine of naps time and like breastfeeding and like how just all the things that you were taking into account at all times. Oh, okay. When am I going to eat? When am I going to get water? Like making sure it's always around me. Here's a really interesting, interesting question that I don't think I've ever asked many people. How trapped did you feel by motherhood in the first three months? Oh, bitch. <laughs> I remember thinking that there was something wrong with Henry because Henry was my first. I remember thinking there was something wrong because all he did was sleep and nurse i remember thinking is this normal for like a baby to do this yep and i was like and all i do is sit on the couch like is that okay and then it slowly started to become i still slowly started what i would say to myself i was like i feel like a milking cow like a milkmaid uh-huh and that's all i do i just sit on this couch and this baby sleeps on me and then i feed it when it wakes up and then we just keep doing that perpetually forever accurate i felt so trapped Yeah, I felt completely trapped. And it's like also with Alexis where she is like I am and deeply needs her sleep. She held on to two naps for a really long time. And so I felt completely isolated and trapped by her nap. Yes. Because I was like, well, she has to have her morning nap. She has to have her afternoon nap. And I only have three hours between and I have to feed her somewhere in that three hours. Yeah. And how can I physically get anywhere or do anything or see anyone unless they come into my space? And even if they're in my space, they're going to fuck up the way that I put her to sleep. What if they wake her up? Oh, my God, this sucks. If she's not getting the sleep that she needs, she's going to be a fucking animal. And I can't handle that right now. So my life sucks. Thanks. You were trapped by breastfeeding and naps. Yep. Yeah. 
That's exactly how I felt. Like, I feel like I couldn't, oh my God, like the window between like the, the when they wake up and the next feed, like if trying to get anything done within that window felt impossible. Like trying to leave the house, I was like, I need fresh air. I need to go out. I need to, I need to go for a walk. And I was like, but you know, I don't want to disturb the nap time. Yep. I want to do it after. <gasps> Wine. <laughs> so happy that didn't go on the computer. It's okay. I've got this. And it went on my red dress. So it's not a problem. <laughs> I love the laugh. <laughs> Oh, it's also oh that it, sucks more for me because did it's it go on stain. you yeah thankfully i've got a red dress so it's it's not gonna stain are you really gonna no, suck it up I'm okay average bitch. all right oh okay. it went on my my white slippers that are not actually They're mine. Not yours it's fun <laughs> but can i have a piece of paper towel for my legs yeah i guess hi friends we're just spilling alcoholic uh, beverages intermission hot dog intermissions at the drive-in no did you guys I, have a drive-in i did not oh you missed out but did i though yes <laughs> drive-ins are the best <laughs> did i though drive-ins were like the highlight of my childhood just don't mind me while i enjoy my wine off of the counter got a wine soaked dress over here it's not cute it's not, there's not that much it's pretty it's pretty wet you're pretty wet. I'm getting... Ooh. I can't wait to do this again. I'm so glad we're doing this. I'm also really excited. I'm like, so two weeks from now. Right? <laughs> because you got to feel, you know, like being stay-at-home moms and being business owners, we've got to adapt. We've got to like figure out how this is going to work Oh my God. Us. Especially when you add like three more businesses outside because of that onto we, it. We like, cannot Jesus do Christ. a nine to five every day. We do a five-minute intervals every day. I do a, like a 12 to 12 every day. Yeah, because, I mean, like, the momming doesn't end, and then you're just trying to work in between the momming, but it's not the standard you want it to be at. 100%. So this is, like, this is the perfect thing to do is we get away. Next time, like you said, we should have two full days so that we can do absolutely everything. Yeah. Oh, my God, we haven't talked about the merch. <gasps> we haven't talked about the merch, Lindsay. Today, we rolled, we are, yeah, that's, yeah, that's how we feel. No, we've got some amazing, sick merch coming out. We also have more coming out in two weeks. I know. And four weeks. I know. So Sarah is a fucking queen. And any idea that we have ever had, she just like puts through her body most ideas and turns into something magical so we one of the things that we've wanted to do with momgasm since the beginning is make sure that a we're really inclusive b we make a point of like giving back to our communities whenever we can yeah absolutely and c we are a place where everyone feels like they can have a home so it's like i know we talk about motherhood and like the perspective is us of us being like white moms but white one heterosexual moms. Yes, white heterosexual moms. Well, one of the things that I would really love to continue doing and doing in a much bigger way is making room for more conversations that stretch outside of what is our experience. Experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's one of the things that like we've done pretty, I think, a pretty good job in our socials 
overall because that's one of the things that I've been really intentional of in like picking the right images of like making sure that there's fat bodies and um black bodies and indigenous bodies and like Asian bodies and just having like this beautiful array of different bodies and what we're doing but what's really great in this like revolution that has been happening is it's given us a really great opportunity to sit down and say like cool these are the things that we're doing great this is the this is all of the area that we can do better in yeah and so one of the things that we've done with the merch line which i'm really really excited about not only is it sick as fuck designs thank you sarah you're so fucking welcome but back we're also making a point of giving 15% of different designs to different organizations mm. and different groups that hold the values of what we want to make sure that we're giving back to as individuals, as business owners, as moms, as just like people within this community mm-hmm. and specifically like within our own backyard. Mm-hmm. And then to use that as an opportunity to actually highlight the amazing organizations that we have within this awesome city and province that we have mm-hmm. is really, really, really exciting to me. So it's like the first design that we've launched in this new line of designs is the Riots Not Diets shirts. Yes. Which, if anybody who is listening to this who has followed my journey for the last eight fucking years yep. knows that this is up my alley Mm -hmm. like nobody could ever believe like I have been somebody who my entire existence has been to smash the patriarchy patriarchy in the sense of like keeping women small physically Mm -hmm. and emotionally yeah and and then for the reverse for me it's smashing the patriarchy and reclaiming what sexuality looks like mm-hmm. and reclaiming sexuality as a woman and not letting the patriarchy belittle us yeah. in that journey yes right yes and so rights rights no yeah. diets like gives me butterflies because it's one of those things where it's like i want to make sure that anything that i'm doing involves me putting myself in a position where I am at the front of the line in standing up for the shit that matters and standing up in dismantling all of the systems that have been designed to oppress us and keep us small and not just me as a woman yes but like all of the individuals who are also living as women and living in non-binary bodies and living in transgender bodies and living in black bodies and indigenous bodies and just like intersectional feminism yes please like embracing all of the beautiful ways that we are women specifically women with an x in the way that it embodies all of us as beings Mm -hmm. and just rising in that in a bigger way so that everyone who welcomes or comes into our space feels that they are welcome. And that's like the biggest thing that I want. And I know like from the beginning and like doing a lot of workshops and, and programs and retreats, there is sometimes that like definitive line of sometimes we're going to be talking about topics that actually involves you owning a pussy if we're doing something like pussy steaming or doing something like specific money gazing exactly like it there is sometimes menstruality there's no no because that's not always directly yeah uh, a a a, a it's not an inherently female thing yeah a female experience yes 
But a lot of the times we are doing things that, that do keep us within a small framework, but that does not mean that we are not an overall space that includes those who stretch beyond that specific frame set. I guess yoni gazing doesn't pertain to just a female experience either. Well, you can be male and have a a vulva. Yoni specifically. Oh, for sure. Actually. Yeah. You can identify as male and have a a vulva. So anytime I'm, anytime I've ever put yoni gazing out there, I've always said like for people who own yonis. I guess what we're trying to say is that a lot of our work pertains to people People, people being the word here. People having parents. a vulva. Parents, parents and people having a vulva, or parents who don't. That have being a vulva. said, Jay, <laughs> I, can't you're out. I am calling out Jay because I love Jay <laughs> oh so much. Gosh. I love that you're you are doing a shout out to our patron. Should I say our first DILF fan? Jay is not our first DILF fan. <laughs> no, that's true. I mean, our own partners. I was like, Dilf. Ollie and... Jeff? Jeff? <laughs> Can we talk about the fact that I just forgot my husband's name? Can we just, like, highlight that for a hot minute? <laughs> oh, my God. I love you forever, Jeffrey. I was, like, looking at him, like, do I... Do I've I had have, half a bottle of wine. <laughs> had half a bottle of wine. I'm about to have some cannabis. Oh, shit. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. We're feeling good. We're feeling good out oh, here. Yeah. We left the city, our, our partners and our kids behind. Fuck, and like, uh, you're caring for the kids. I don't care about you right. anymore. We really need to make this a ritual uh, practice. Every week. What? <laughs> you know what? Yeah. And like, yeah. Okay. But. I was going to say. But. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But. What were you talking about? Delfs. 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 Yay! Yay! <laughs> I love you if you're listening to this. If you're listening to this and then our patron support somehow disappears, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Fuck, no. Take it back. We take it back. No, but I, so one of the things that I'm loving the most is we've actually had a couple of, of, of dads come up to us and talk to us specifically about how they're really loving the content that we're putting out there. And not, not, not just dads in particular, just males. We have had just male identifying people come up to us. I don't know if one of them, one of them has come up to us. I don't know if he's a dad. He didn't identify if he was a dad or not. I have no idea who you're talking Live about show. Live shows. It's happened many a time. Well, I know we had a conversation with somebody about ass toys at a live show. Yep. Is that who you're talking We've about? had lots of conversations with males. People who identify as male and they're fans of the show. They like what we're putting out. So sweet it's always really exciting to us yeah because we do talk a lot about pussies we talk a lot about menstruality we talk about a lot about birth so one of the things that was really cool that i thought that jay brought to the forefront was i love you jay he's a genuinely though <laughs> i have yet to meet jay but i love him come to my playground and i hope you will meet him um, that was kind of like a subtle, like almost like an innuendo. Come, come to, my, to playground. my playground. It's almost like saying, "Come to my dungeon and play." I, know, right? <laughs> I love the look you Don't gave tease me. me. <laughs> Don't. Okay. Side note. Side note. Would you ever make a sex dungeon? Yes. Cool. A hundred percent. We should talk about what it would look like. <gasps> okay. <laughs> I love you. Like, okay, I want to do this, please. <laughs> This is my face if you don't know what my face is. Okay, let's talk about 
our no let's finish jay okay sorry let's yep. finish jay i'm yep. whoa that got whoa. that got really intense <laughs> i mean you're welcome if that happened but also <laughs> oh dear no i so one of the things that i love so much that he offered me as perspective for what we're sharing is the perspective that we offer him uh, so in conversation he was saying how he really appreciates having an avenue to understand maybe where his wife is better mm. and how that allows him to open up avenues of conversation that can deepen the relationship as a whole, especially in navigating children. <sighs> so that's like one of the, one of the areas that like my heart is so warm right now. Right. But that I love what we're able to provide. And it's like, although we show up here and like primarily in our mind's eye, like the primary focus for me is I'm talking as a mom to other moms to give them that relatability factor Mm -hmm. but I've never in my life had that moment of like what would me openly sharing provide a dad who's trying to connect to his partner yeah yeah and that's like really a magical thing that I didn't put enough thought into yeah same absolutely so that's why like I'm like Jay you have a special place in my heart forever that's yeah that's incredible and I'm so glad that that the the perspective that we've been offering over the last year has appealed to um people who identify as male uh dads I'm glad I'm like really happy that that perspective has Mm. appealed to them and helping them relate to their female counterpart Mm. um because I know that in our own relationships the podcast has opened up so many new avenues of conversation and has been such a wonderful tool. When it was really funny, we started talking about this to tell my story about the butt plug and are we circling and we never back? got back to that we're circling back i feel like it would be a good wow. way to end this but did you have something else that you wanted to no add let's on circle that? back let's okay. end this episode on this so i like i totally i totally agree with you in that like it's the amount of enrichment that has been provided in my own relationship and in the way that we've i mean we've always been really good communicators mm. but this is even enhance the depth at which we can communicate and the way that we've been able to communicate. Mm. And one of the really interesting things that's been things that has been happening as of late with Jeff and I, anyway, with um, the revolution that we're in the middle of and social justice and racial justice and, and all of that stuff that's happening right now, which yes, God, please, we need more of it Mm. is it's given me a really easy access point to have these open, honest conversations with him Mm -hmm. in a way that I know that no matter what I say, I'll be seen and held and also put in my place. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I know, but like be put in my place in the most loving absolutely possible. we need that right i think everyone needs that bitch you need somebody to put in your place in a DM loving me. way dm me honey <laughs> i will if you've been a white privileged douchebag i will put you in your place real fast you're welcome anytime <laughs> you could honestly hold her to that i have done it before i will do it again yeah, there you go do it DM again us if you need that <laughs> you need that but also like that's one of the things that i feel me personally i do really well is like providing people a a place where i will call them on their bullshit in a way that feels safe 
You definitely have a knack for feeling comfortable and being blunt. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm like, I don't know if you ever thought of it this way. Yeah. Like you're, yeah, you can, you, you're very comfortable in saying no. And it doesn't matter who you're having a conversation with you. If you don't agree with something, you are, you don't give a shit about saying no. no. And I, and I love that. There is a difference in like, agreeing with something that is tri- trivial because at the end of the day i'm like e- your body your choice i don't care yeah oh abs- yeah and then there's a difference in like social justice issues which i'm like i hear what you're saying yeah. i understand where you're coming from but that's a hard no yeah and i think that you know if someone's not comfortable doing what you're doing and mm. being blunt and being comfortable and being blunt, you can still reach out and say, you know what? I don't know. I'm not agreeing with this. Why do you have that perspective? For sure. And I love those conversations, honestly. You know? And I, I think there can be compassion around these conversations where you think that, oh, we're going to agree to disagree. No. When no. They, when, they, when it comes to conversations around race when it comes to conversations of sexuality homophobia homophobia phobia um gender phobia please i i would hope that people will lean into not giving into the idea of we're gonna agree to disagree yeah because i don't think that that actually helps i think what will help if is if you ask a question to say why do you have that perspective why do you feel that way there's a really freeing thing that happens for you and i would lo- i would love if anybody is like listening to this and feeling that resistance which like i honor you for feeling that because that's the first start that's the first place where you start to stretch yourself beyond your yeah. own comfort yeah. level is instead of just like tuning it off and walking away give yourself permission to stretch and it's very it's a very uncomfortable process but there's this really cool thing that will happen if you give yourself permission to put yourself in somebody else's shoes, like fully, not yeah. just the idea of like, what would it be like for like a day to like, no, be no, in somebody's no, 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 shoes. No. no, like physically put yourself in the shoes of a mother whose child has been gunned down mm-hmm. because they are black mm-hmm. and they had their hands in their pocket in a hoodie. Or an indigenous woman who was uh, raped by someone of authority, mm-hmm. and or an in, or a family of an indigenous woman who is missing, and mm-hmm. no one gives a shit, mm-hmm. and put yourself in their shoes. Uh, or an indigenous tribe and family who is fighting for the land that they have already had stolen from them multiple times, and they've been pushed off into the sidelines and have this very small percentage of sacred land that is still left to them that is now actively being taken and when they stand up and say no you can't have this we recognize what you do as white people and you cannot have this anymore and are being silenced actively and being shut down and being interrupted in the middle of ceremony Mm. and arrested and taken away like you you have to really be able to put yourself in a position of how differently might i feel if i did not have the comforts and convenience of my life you know what it would be like the equivalent because like not many white people can say that they have ever lived the experience of an indigenous person with authority coming in and taking their land and and um 
obliterating their sacred rites and their ceremonies. The only way that I can say that that could, the only way that we could relate to that is to say, what if government officials came in and I'm not a religious person, but what if they came in and just decided to demolish your place where you worship, your church, the place that you see, that you see as no, sacred? No, 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 no. I have a better one. Okay. What if they took your children? What if they, there you go. Because that happened. But because that happened, right? Yeah. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Like it, that is the thing that it comes back to every single time. Like we were talking earlier in this episode about that very visceral feeling of if somebody even held your child in that first three months, what if somebody physically showed up at your door and took your children from you to indoctrinate them into something that is foreign to you? So it's like as mothers, as parents listening to this show, even if you're not 100% in the Black Lives Matter, even if you're not 100% in recognizing your privilege, even if you're not 100% there, like my belief is the more space that we can create to really push into the realm and lines of giving ourselves permission to go in those uncomfortable places of what, what might that be like while also recognizing we will never fully know what that feels like. But I'm pretty sure you would rip the fucking face off anybody who came near you. That was my first thing that popped in my head. I would like, I mean, scalp you. It's happening in, it happened in the States with the Mexican, uh, Mexican immigrants. Taking their children. Oh, ice is next, baby. Fuck. I mean, there was a statistic of something. Uh, I might, I'm not going to get it right, but I'm going to put it out there. I think it was something along the lines of like 10,000 Mexican immigrant children are missing currently mm-hmm. since all of this started mm-hmm. with ICE. Ice, yeah. Ice. Like, it's just, it's, it's, we're really good as a society of being very insular in our life experience as a white society. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like that could stretch beyond that too, though. Like I, I, I do know personally, um, individuals who are not white, um, and do also have a very insular set of life. Yeah, but I think that might be different to white insular mindset. Oh, we're a whole other level of privilege and shitbaggery. Shitbaggery? Yeah. Is that a word now? Yeah, but I mean, like, we insular in a way that we are ignorant to how other people live their lives. We just assume that all other cultures and races should assimilate to the way that white culture lives and survives. You mean ignorant to the way that we stole the fucking land that we ignorant live on? To the, ignorant to that, ignorant to the ceremonies and rituals, a cult- yeah. cultural appropriation. We just take, we just take, 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 take. I, so this is the interesting, so Sonia, she wrote, your body is not an apology. She's a brilliant black This woman. is the book you're reading right now? Yeah, I keep leaving through it. It's which is wild to me because it's like this very deep reflection and like 
confirmation of everything that I've believed for the last little bit, mm. which is really, it's almost like, I'm like, stop reading it because it's just repeating the same thing back to you, which is like amazing in, in such a brilliant way. But in a way that's like the way that Sonia can put into words what I felt mm. is I have so much value and respect for and the way that she can broaden my lens into the experience of a black woman's body mm. and and bring racial justice into the conversation which I didn't realize for a long time was part of the conversation mm. is something that I deeply deeply appreciate mm. but Sonia was talking about oh, specifically white supremacy white supremacist delusion and the way in which it has conditioned us as white people to command free labor mm. and to command more and just the act of showing up in black folks DMs and asking more and more and more and more from them mm-hmm. instead of investing in their programs, investing in their, their books, books, investing in um, whatever, their seminars, their workshops, whatever it is Buying they're their offering. Art, watching their movies. Right? And, buying and, their music. And even if they're doing that, to then do that and then ask for more in their DMs. Yeah. And that that really real... The other thing conditioning of wanting more and what's in, but what's interesting, I want to finish this thought for a second and then I'll give it to you. What's interesting is me as an individual in a coaching space in an online platform is what I, something that I've been on the receiving end of. And I've had a lot of individuals in my space asking for more of me for free. Oh gosh. Yeah. And every single time, almost guaranteed they're white folks oh yeah i mean working as a graphic designer i have so many people messaging me asking for a graphic design device or advice device not device advice um but going off of what you were talking about of like making sure that you're buying the content that black people are putting out it's also like as white folks to check ourselves and what we're sharing so that Whoever is listening right now, whoever just took the information that Lindsay is reading this book, instead of asking Lindsay for what the book is about, go and buy it. Please, God. Just go buy it. You want to have a go conversation about the book after you've read the book? Cool. Absolutely. Let's open that up. Open cool. dialogue. But, um, you know, it's like there's, there's this weird thing going outside of race. It's like people wanting to gather the information from you, someone who's done the work rather than going and doing it themselves. Yeah. And the, the, the biggest thing about any kind of stretching outside of the conditioning that we've been giving, because it, it, it does go beyond like racial issues is like the foundational problem. Yeah. Right. And then it, it branches beyond that to patriarchal society, which yeah. is like women or nothing. Sexism. Right? Mm -hmm. And then branching beyond that to um, the heteronormative Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. life that we are expected to live and anything outside of that is wrong or demon or fucking sodomy or bullshit. religion. Well, okay. This is the... I just want to like throw this out there for a minute. 
He's like, if you we're going to wrap up soon though, very soon. If you don't realize that your Bible has been rewritten multiple times by white folks to fit their agenda, you might want to do some research. Yeah. I just like really want to like lay that in there because for a long time, yeah, that was the thing that I clung to. And I feel like a lot of individuals, especially individuals who are like regularly going to church and regularly doing the things and like showing up and doing the mission work and like being that white savior. It's this disconnection between how things have been manipulated in order to, especially in the Old Testament specifically. I haven't read any Bible. I've read a lot of Bible. My I was friend. never drawn to it because of that exact reason. I I've knew how read many times a lot it was, was rewritten. Rewritten. Read a lot of Bible, my friend. And there is a very distinct difference that happens between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Once Jesus enters the picture, I'm kind of like, all right, love for everyone. I can feel this mostly. Yeah. But the new, the the Old Testament has been adjusted in different religions within the Christian overarching umbrella yeah, to meet the specific need to control and diminish the population in a way that we are malleable. Hmm. These are some, this is a big conversation that we are just like rimming. This is just, (laughs) (laughs) we're just rimming that religious conversation right now. But it's like my goal in sharing that is not to have you like turn it off and be like, fuck you. You don't believe in my religion. It's, it's the intention of like, I want to embolden you with the idea of looking into what you believe in. See, just to, just to, to align, f- just to like close this off. I think that I still need to talk about my asshole. Oh my God. It'll be a quickie. Maybe. Okay. We'll be a quickie, but it wasn't a quickie, but it will be. <laughs> but in the topic of conversation, I was raised in a Christian household. Um, I never really, we stopped going to church when I was a teenager, maybe younger than that. Was a wee lass. Yeah. When I was, when I was a wee lass, but the one thing that Ollie and I both agree on, even before we had children, was that we didn't want to teach them. Um, we, Even though Ollie identifies as atheist, and when I met him, I identify as agnostic. I don't really know what that feels and looks like anymore. But we both agreed that we were going to teach our children one day about all religions. I love that. And about the historical significance and how it all began. And not just, we're not going to teach them to believe in any figure. It's like, we just want to educate them Mm. on what humanity as a little blip in history (laughs) has believed in and to educate them. And because you're so right in that, the Bible, when it is taught to, when it was taught to me in church, church, it was the in be- church, church, in church, <laughs> it was the be all end all. It, you know, there's this, there's white image of Jesus and it's purity culture, very much so purity culture. And, um, which I relent against. I, it really did. It never really resonated with me or my brothers and sisters or my brothers and sister never really resonated with us we never really wanted to we never were interested in going to church um i don't know it's in the beginning oh here we go 
there was an asshole and a pussy. And right. I put a toy in my asshole and tried missionary. Love this segue. And it was amazing. Fuck yes. <laughs> Fuck yes. Love that we're ending this religious conversation on you taking it up the butt. On sodomy. On sodomy and Gomorrah. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you for this ending. <laughs> but, okay, so we're like pulling it back. In. We're heathens. I, my mother has actually called me a heathen. Yes. Actually. What is the real definition of heathenry? Uh, probably somebody who takes up If BS. I could Google it, I would. I would like you to Google it, but. It's not going to work. Google it, Google it, Google. We don't have enough internet capacity. Anyway, tell your story. Okay, so I put the cherry and bow on top of this conversation. So going back to asshole, your literally definition of heathen here. Yeah. I had this experience where I had my butt plug in and a person who does not belong to a widely held religion. Well, bring me more of that. Then, Especially please. one who is not a Christian Jew or Muslim as regarded by those who do. Uh, I'm definitely a heathen. Then. I guess I'm a heathen too. Oh, similar pagan infidel. Uh, uh, idolater is that how it's pronounced idolater why are you seeing that right here bud i idolater yeah i guess i'm a heathen heathen or a pagan we could call ourselves i am both yeah and none a non-believer a disbeliever agnostic dude i'm a witch so <sighs> there's that there we go anyway so i put a toy up my asshole <laughs> and then my husband fucked me while in missionary and it was, I don't even know if I adequately have words. Profound. It was very profound. Erotically profound. the thing, it was erotically profound because I'm such a heathen. What was really wild about it is not only does it like narrow the entrance way for my introitus, which is the entrance point of your vagina. If you didn't know, you're welcome anatomy introitus introitus i thought it was just called vaginal canal no that's the whole birth canal your vagina is the whole birth canal and then your introitus is the actually the entry point okay i knew about majora majora labia google it menora labia majora labia majora labia menora and then i just thought it was vaginal clitoris clitoral hood and then introitus you're going to Google introitus. This is the introitus. first time I've heard the word introitus. Really? I'm not joking. I'm so thrilled that I just gave that to you. How have I not heard the word introitus Be- this whole year of momgasming? I don't know. I've just never used it before for you. I have never heard this word. I'm so glad that I gifted you this word. Anyway, so because it was really cool, so it narrowed any t- any type any any type of opening any type of however the term often refers to the opening of the vagina which leads to the vaginal 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 the vaginal canal people vaginal Can that be our band name if we ever start a band? Vaginal. Vaginal. No, vaginal introitus. (laughs) So narrowed my introitus. So it was like really intense for him at like the base of his shaft Mm. and like midway because they don't usually pull all the way back, but it's like the mid to base. So you're saying the butt plug narrowed your introitus. Yes, because it's like pressing. And for those who don't know, introitus is vaginal canal. No, 
it's the entrance of your vaginal right i'm still learning still learning (laughs) still learning so it did that but then the other thing that was really cool is in missionary position it like positioned his dick upwards so that it was hitting my g-spot better and not only was it hitting my g-spot better but i could also feel like the butt plug gyrating a little bit within my butthole which was like a really interesting sensation so i had like gentle butt stimulation plus g-spot plus my hand on my clitoris which was like (laughs) something like that and that's the end of the episode (laughs) i wish we could just ended it on you doing that so peace love a whole lot of come if you got it up the butt or not hey you yeah you did you hear there's a momgasm party happening every two weeks that's right every two weeks Lindsay and i are sitting down via zoom and we are connecting with you our luscious loyal loving listeners in a never before seen way well maybe that's not true But it's been amazing. We have been having hilarious nights, playing games, sharing stories, and just getting real upfront and personal the best way we know how. If you want to join, head to our Patreon, where we are serving it up for only $2 a month. So what are you waiting for? Looking to spruce up your wardrobe? Get your hands on the official Momgasm merch. We've got sweaters, we've got t-shirts, we've got everything. Not really. Well, not yet. Head to the link in our description. And don't forget to send us some pictures of you rocking our momgasm swag. We love it. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Momgasm Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And that's it. We'll catch you next time. Mwah.